So we started going through the list of the biggest threats to America, and we have a list of maybe 40 or 50 different things, and we narrowed it down to two things, the obvious threat and the not-so-obvious threat, and we're going to cover that with you today in the video. So let's go through the obvious first. You know how when people say the biggest threat to America is itself, I have met the enemy, it is I. Great, we know that. China, of course, modern warfare, bio, cyber, nuclear, EMP. Those are very likely to happen in the next 5, 10, 15, 20, 30 years. Debt, taxes, social media, common sense, AI, virtual governments, fear-mongering. These are the obvious. Some may even say these are not the obvious, but we're putting these as the obvious. I want to focus on the not-so-obvious today, with the first one being hyper-anything, but specifically hypersensitive. Today, we are so much about walking on eggshells. Anything you say, you got to be so careful because God forbid you say the wrong thing. You know how in the world of business they would tell you two things you should never talk about. You should never talk about religion and politics. You should focus on sports and other, but not religion and politics. Yesterday, I have a fa one of my neighbors came over for our kids to hang out to get a hedge fund manager worth a couple hundred million dollars. And his wife is sitting in front of me, husband here, my wife's here. We're having a conversation to get our kids are playing. You know what we talked about? What do you think we talked about? Religion and politics is what we talked about. Because most people at that level want to have those types of conversations. But today, we're forced to be so hypersensitive, walking on eggshells, that you're forced to be fake. And who the hell likes fake people? You don't even like it when you have to be fake, but we can no longer talk because it's so hypersensitive. Few have the courage to still do it, but most people are afraid of it. Number two, forced diversity over meritocracy, forced diversity over meritocracy. I had one of my uh, uh, folks that came to the home office and they were looking at the company and they said, hey, why is it that the majority of the employees here are, you know, a certain ethnicity? It was, you know, you have so many African-Americans working here. Why is that? I said, I said, what does that have to do with anything? The job gets done. You know, we have more women than men. I look for people that can get the job done. It's meritocracy. We don't look for, and in, in a specific position, we focus on recruiting people from a certain area. Why? Because meritocracy. But today, today, it's about forced diversity. You know, you should be, you know, like the, the Delta Airlines just announced forced diversity over meritocracy. Why? We have to announce that such and such percentage is this and such and such percentage is this because we have to be inclusive. No, it's meritocracy. Who can get the job done the most? I am from Iran. I'm Middle Eastern. I don't have a four-year, I don't have a two-year degree, okay? You probably shouldn't hire me as an engineer just to meet your guidelines. I am not a good engineer. You probably shouldn't hire me to do a lot of jobs. But when I came up, because capitalism is a meritocracy type of an environment, even without anything on my resume, I moved up simply because meritocracy. We're kind of getting away from that, and it's a little concerning. Number three, extreme ideology. And on both sides, by the way, left and right, extreme, extreme ideology is what gets a nation to be divided. A little bit more in the center, but we got a lot of extreme ideologies today. Again, that's one of the bigger threats. Number four, educational system, okay, that we have today. Professors, they have so much influence over the kids, so much influence over the kids. I had a guy that I was talking to. He says, you know, my daughter and I were best friends. He says, and then I send my kids to my daughter to UC Berkeley. And all of a sudden, while she's going to school, she started hating me. I've never heard my daughter talk to me this way before. We were talking and it was a fight. It was as if she despised me. And four years later, she doesn't even want to come back home. She doesn't even want to see us. She doesn't even want to be at Thanksgiving. My daughter and I were like this together. We were best of friends. Now she doesn't want to see me. 
How the hell did that happen? Educational system and professors. When you go to school, they're demonizing so many their job creators, rich people, capitalists, all these other people confuse, confuse, confuse. The educational system right now needs, and by the way, even if we talk about the educational system on the math side, America's not one of the highest ranking on math. It's more about, well, let's not hurt each other's feelings. New York City the other day, uh, de Blasio just announced that they're getting away with the AP program and the honor program because it makes people feel inferior. Listen, I've never once taken AP and I've never once taken uh, uh, honors and I never deserved to have taken AP or honors because I sucked in school and they gave me the right classes. Never in my life have I taken English 101. Do you know why? Because I was not good in English, not because I was offended by it. I was simply not good for it. Today it's all about but we cannot hurt kids' feelings. No, if you don't do the work, you don't deserve to go there. So again, the educational system, professors, one of the biggest threats we have. Number five, demonizing success and wealth. So, you know, when, when you see somebody who was becoming successful, back in the days, it was the life of the rich and famous. People were so curious. Let me see the life of the rich and famous. What is it like to be the life of the rich and famous? Today, you almost don't want to tell people you're rich. Today, you almost don't want to tell people you have money. Today, you almost want to be like, well, no, we're really struggling. You know, it's not really that good, family. Because if you do, God forbid, you're rich and famous, demonizing, 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 where it's almost flipping what the American dream is today. You used to say, the Ameri you're such a, you're the American dream. This is the American dream. Today, the American dream is a very confusing American dream because they're redefining it. So we've gotten away from elevating people who are winning and we're demonizing them today. Number six, redefining role models, heroes, which kind of goes with number five. So imagine when you were a kid growing up, your mom, dad, we used to say, you know, well, look at such and such. He's such a role model. Look at this cousin of yours. Our grandfather was this. And look at your brother or look at this friend. And it was annoying. You know what I'm talking about when that whole thing was taking place. It was kind of annoying, right, whenever your parents do it. But who was that role model? You as a kid, you kind of were like, man, one day, let me be that person to impress my mom. Let me one day be like that man to make my dad like proud of me, right? Those magical words we want to hear from our parents as kids. You know what I'm talking about, right? Okay. Today, the media is redefining heroes, okay? Today, the hero is a person that doesn't want to work anymore. And they're sitting home and saying, well, it's not all about money. I'd rather home, stay home and take the entitlements from the government. Oh, what a hero. You're standing up for what you believe in. We are so confusing kids what a true hero is today that the younger generation has no clue what a real hero is. They're so confused on who to look up to like they used to back in the days. It's redefining the role models that we once used to have. Number seven, opioid epidemic escaping reality. Uh, years ago in the 70s, the Shah of Iran was being interviewed by BBC, and he said that what he thinks is a challenge with the West. He says the West is solving problems by taking one too many sleeping pills. You're entire generation is in the sleeping pill generation. He was saying this in the 70s. Think about 2021. They showed statistics on opioid suicide last year, record-breaking year. And what, you know what it's looked like since 2010? It's like this. It's like this. 96,000, give or take, people committed suicide. Opioid, linked to opioid. It is an epidemic that's taking place. And it's another one of those, oh, you have your, your too much pain? Here, take this. Oh, you're trying to escape this? Take this. Everything's about solving. These doctors are solving any, you send a kid to go see a psychologist or a psychiatrist, like one of those guys that can give the a prescription, say, oh, you're going through this? Here, go, get this. I'm sorry, I'm trying to talk to you. No, no, just go take this. Take two of these a day. 
Everything is immediate there. We're not paying a lot of attention to it. This is emotional to me because I lost a friend over this simply because he went with, life is too painful. Take one Vicodin, take two Vicodin, take 10 Vicodin, take 50 Vicodin, boom. Guy, we lose him years ago and that was due to opioids. So this is gradually coming up and the younger generation is being linked to this a lot lately. Number eight, open borders. You're seeing what's going on. It's like, ah, you know, it is what it is. Nah, it's, it's an issue, but it's not that big of an issue. You know who comes up through the borders? Who do you think comes up through the borders? And I'm not endorsing a wall or any of that stuff, although the wall is not a bad idea. But not paying attention to the borders? What do you think happens if there's no borders? When you eventually don't have borders, who comes in? Anybody and everybody. And it's not Latinos I'm talking about. Middle East doesn't come straight here. Middle East goes here, then they come up. They see the borders and they say, it's so easy to come to America, just go like this. It's a piece of cake for us to do this, go like this. And we're not paying attention to it too much. As a person who lived in Iran and see a lot of this stuff taking place and then all of a sudden the place went into shambles, some of that stuff is taking place in America today. Number uh, nine, inability to entertain op opposing ideas. We have a hard time doing that today. We used to be able to do it. We have a hard time doing it today because we get offended so easily. There's no way I'm even going to let you talk about that. It's an opposing idea. Let's just have a talk about it, whether you agree or not. We have a hard time with that today. Number 10, demonizing faith in a higher power. It's almost like thinking about somebody as a higher power. It's like, no, no, no. It's not good for people to have faith. You know, God doesn't exist. No, this, you guys are fools. You're naive if you think God exists. Let's say you're right, God doesn't exist. Let's say they're right, God does exist. But the reality part of it is the following. You know what happens when a populace loses faith? They no longer think they can stand up to a larger government organization. If you look at Dietrich Bonhoeffer, if you look at any of the communistic regimes, the first rule is, is to get people to stop believing in a God. The more you stop believing in a God, the, more, the less faith you have to stand up because you think you're helpless. Some of the greatest leaders of our time that started a great, where they could stand up to the bigger, powerful people, is they had faith in a higher power. So we're gradually kind of, and by the way, this is not a religion plug. This is just faith, period. We're demonizing faith in a higher power. Number 11, destruction of strong family values. You know, what it means to have strong family values, fatherless homes, you know, what marriage means, what parenting means, what kids, all of that stuff. We're losing some of those values. Number 12 is restructure incentive model. So meaning back in the days, in my house, if you read books, you get what you want. That's my currency, my house, right? In a different person's house, the, you know, incentive model may be different. Incentive in America, you start a business, here's the tax benefits you get. You do this, you get these tax write-ups. You get this, you create jobs, you get this. We're changing the incentive model. What the incentive is, you stay home and don't work, we'll send you money. Oh, so if I don't work, I get money? Yes, that's redefining and restructuring the incentive model to make you more liability. You're more relying on the government to take care of you. You have to subtly pay attention to this because this is changing. This changes behavior. Number 13. Censorship, freedom of speech. People are, the fear of, God forbid, I use a certain word. YouTube the other day took like 10 of our videos down just because one word was in it. And what do you think that one word is? 10 videos were just taken down because simple word being talked about, the censorship, freedom of speech, you can't talk about this. That is a very big threat that's facing America today. But again, if you're, if you're censoring that, what happens? There's no opposing ideas. If there's no an, an ability to oppose ideas, then how do we learn? We learn through debate. We learn through clash of ideas. We're kind of getting away from that. Number 14, lack of competition, fear of losing. By far one of the best things that helps all of us improve ideas, companies, products, sale, price point, all of it is competition. If there's no competition, nobody has to lower their prices. 
If there's no competition, nobody has to offer better customer service. If there's no competition, nobody has to pay their employees better. If there's no customer uh, competition, nobody has to give their employees better benefits. If there's no competition, why would I give you a retirement plan? If there's no competition, why would I give you equity? I don't have to give it to you. There is no competition. Competition is the best for people, for employees, for people that want to do big things. We're kind of getting away from that. And it's all about, no, 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 we can't have competition. It's more let one organization have a lot of power. We need a lot of competition today. Number 15 is cancel culture, tied to censorship. God forbid you say the wrong thing or you said something 11 years ago right now. Football coach is going through it today. We don't agree with the comments, but it was said 11 years ago. If you and I got judged based on what we did 20, 30, 10 years ago, all of us would probably be lose our jobs today. If everything you ever said was recorded, if everything you ever said was recorded, and something you said 10 years ago you regret, you could lose your job today. That's cancel culture. That's a little slippery slope for a lot of people. Number 16, pinning people against each other, men against women, whites against blacks, you know, religious against non-religious, parents against kids, employer against employee, pin, pin, pin. Look, we're in a very competitive culture in America, right? We like UFC. We like boxing, Wilder against Fury. We like competition, right? But that competition is for entertainment. This competition is for division. There's a very big difference between the two. Very, very big difference between the two. 17, lack of statesmen, politicians who stand up. People who get into politics who really don't want to get into politics. Unfortunately, too many people go into politics because they're driven by power. Not enough people go into politics because they want to save this country. And so a statesman not going in to make friends. A statesman not going in because he needs to make money on the side like many of these you know, speakers of houses and governors and congressmen that all of a sudden go in broke and next thing you know, they're worth $100 million. A statesman's going in because they want to save this country and they love America. We don't have enough statesmen. We have way too many politicians. And last but not least is gaslighting. You know what gaslighting is like? Misinformation, confusing you. Roses are not red. Roses are really green. You just can't see it. Three times three is not nine. Why can't it be eight? Maybe it's eight. Maybe in a different dimension, three times three is three. And you sit and you're like, Maybe he's right. Maybe in a different dimension, three times three is eight. Confusing the living crap out of you to question common sense, right? Which goes back here. So these are some of the ones that we have here, as well as the obvious ones. I'm curious to know what else you would add to the list of what I just covered here today. Okay, so if you enjoyed today's video, I got two other videos I want to recommend to you. One of them is an interview I did with John Perkins, former economic hitman. He would go to governments and say, hey, if you don't do this, here's what we're going to do to you if you've never watched this video. Fascinating. And the other one is... History of taxes and war. If you want to find out taxes, you know, all these different stories that we hear about taxes, well, they've been around forever. You will be very surprised on how some temporary taxes became permanent. If you've never watched that before, I would probably highly recommend this over this one here. But you pick and choose which one you want to watch. And having said that, if you want to get today's notes in a PDF text to you, text us at 310-340-1132, the word threats, plural, threats, text threats to 310-340-1132. We'll send a PDF to you. And if you're international, subscribe to our newsletter. We'll send a PDF to you as well. Take care, everybody. Bye-bye.